Welcome to this week's podcast. This is Lisa Nearing with Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North Homeschool Academy offers live online classes that are interactive, dynamic, engaging, and affordable. Right now, we have $100 off on all of our Hebrew language classes. Consider a critical language for your high schooler. Critical languages are often a bit more difficult than non-critical languages and are of utmost importance to diplomacy, politics, and business. Under the expert guidance of Master Teacher Rabbi Abraham Fisher, your students will thrive learning the language of the Old Testament and positioning themselves well for scholarship money and other unique opportunities. Learning a second language seems like a lot of hard work. Well, it is. But tackling challenges positions us for the next difficult and amazing challenge that God has in store for us. We'll offer Modern and Biblical Hebrew live this fall, beginning August 19th, open to 8th grade through adult. Rabbi Fisher teaches Live from Israel weekly with regular homework assignments for students throughout the week. Now, in the last month and a half, we've been talking about the soft skill of flexibility and adaptability, but we are going to jump into the soft skill of work ethic. I love reading about successful people, and as a family, we have favorite historical figures that we never tire of learning about. George Washington is on that list. He's been my 19-year-old son's hero since he was three. He's read about him, studied him, and looks up to him. This summer, we were all able to go visit Mount Vernon. Wow. George and Martha were an amazing team. They ran four farms, state-of-the-art flour mills, basically a five-star hotel hosting over 600 guests a year, hosting and feeding them in grand style. All of this while they were laying the foundation for a new, cutting-edge republic. Visiting Mount Vernon was one of the highlights of our summer. Not only were George and Martha a case study in teamwork, communication, critical thinking, and so many other soft skills, but they had an amazing work ethic and ran their estate with visionary zeal. While the Washingtons started out farming tobacco, they made a major shift in 1765 due to the fickle tobacco market. Additionally, tobacco depletes the soil. It's not sustainable. So they began paring back on tobacco, and the next year they abandoned it altogether in favor of wheat, Indian corn, and other grains. One of the hallmarks of someone with a strong work ethic is the ability to work hard, but also the ability to work smart. So learning the most efficient ways to complete projects, taking advantage of new technologies and industries, and not being afraid of change or, by the way, failure. Management skills, including managing the very real value of people's labor, efficiency, and positive attitude are all part of a strong work ethic. During his 30 years as a wheat farmer, Washington worked diligently to improve his production. He built a new grain mill in 1770 to replace his father's decrepit structure and then incorporated Oliver Evans' latest innovations during the early 1790s. Evans had patented a system of conveyors that accommodated a one-man milling operation. Washington saw the Evans mill as the wave of the future, and he made a couple of different upgrades to his mill to stay state-of-the-art. So again, work ethic includes efficiency, the ability to avoid wasting materials, energy, effort, money, and time to do things without waste. It's the ability to understand and value economizing. Now, I want to share with you another favorite historical figure of mine, and that is Lillian Muller Gilbreth. And she and her husband, Frank Gilbreth, were called efficiency experts. Lillian Muller Gilbreth is really considered the mother of modern management. You might recognize her as the mom in the old Cheaper by the Dozen or Bells on Their Toes books. These are laugh-out-loud funny books, and I highly recommend you read them to your kids or just for yourself for a lot of fun. 
There's also a 1950s version of the movie, Cheaper by the Dozen, and of course, the modern one with Steve Martin. It's also good, but I like the old one better. Lillian Gilbreth was the mother of modern management, and together with her husband Frank, she pioneered industrial management techniques that we still use today. She was one of the first superwomen to combine a career with home life. She was a prolific author, recipient of many honorary degrees, and by the way, mom to 12 kids. She's perhaps best remembered for her motherhood. Her children wrote the popular books Cheaper by the Dozen and Bells on Their Toes that I just talked about, and they shared the experiences and love and joy they had growing up in a large and famous family. Lillian Gilbreth wasn't only a mother. She was an engineer and an industrial psychologist. Lillian excelled in high school and wanted to study literature and art, but her father didn't believe in education for women. He felt they only needed enough knowledge to manage a home gracefully. But she persuaded him to let her attend the University of California at Berkeley while she lived at home and maintained her family duties. Her mom was often sick, so she took care of her mom and the younger kids. She obtained her BA in literature in 1900, and actually she was the first woman to speak at a University of California commencement. So she was a groundbreaker, even as a young woman. She went to Columbia University, but illness forced her to return to California. However, she went back to Berkeley while in California and received a master's degree in literature in 1902. She celebrated by planning a vacation where she met her future husband, Frank Gilbreth. Frank Gilbreth was already a millionaire, and he had worked in construction, and he sold his business and started a consulting firm. He was very interested in efficiency in the workplace. He was a hard worker. His enthusiasm for that subject was contagious. He proposed to Lillian just three weeks after her return from Europe, and they began their study of scientific management principles. They started their consulting business and worked side-by-side side as partners. They began their family. Gilbreth took her doctorate in psychology at Brown and graduated in 1950 with a parcel of young kids at graduation with her. Frank was concerned with the technical aspects of worker efficiency, but Lillian was concerned with the human aspects of time management. Her ideas were widely adopted, and she indicated the direction that modern management would take. She recognized that workers are motivated by indirect incentives, such as money, but also direct incentives, like job satisfaction. Her work with Frank helped create a job standardization, incentive wage plans, and job simplification. She was one of the first to recognize the effects of fatigue and stress on time management. In other words, if you're fatigued and stressed, you're going to spend more time doing things and you're not going to be as efficient at it. Her husband died in his early 50s in 1924, but in 1926, she became the first woman professor of management and the first female professor in, the, in an engineering school. She continued her and her husband's consulting business, working with GE and other huge firms to design kitchens and household appliances. In fact, the modern American kitchen, we can thank Lillian Gilbreth for creating. She didn't retire from her professional work until she was in her 80s. She traveled around the world, speaking and writing on management issues, and in 1966, she won the Hoover Medal for the American Society of Civil Engineers. She died in 1992, the recipient of more than a dozen honorary degrees, and her ability to combine a career and family. Remember, she had 12 children, all of whom went on and got college degrees. Now, it's hard enough to have a handful of kids that all go on to get college degrees, but all 12 of hers, 11 that were living, went on to get college degrees, and most of them did so after Frank had died. So as a single working parent, her kids went on to get college degrees. The California Monthly in 1944 declared her a genius in the art of living. What can we deduce from Lillian Gilbreth's amazing life and career? A couple of different things. For one, hard workers practice self-management. 
they effectively use the time and space allotted to them, time, resources, health, sleep, diet, and exercise. Life is finite, and hard workers usually work hard and play hard. They understand the importance of stewarding their own life well. Secondly, hard workers practice time management. They make effective use of their day. Time management is all about matching your resources with your challenges, because we all have resources and we all have challenges. So it's matching them up. Time management has to do with triaging the urgent from the important, understanding where the responsibility lies, and knowing how to create a timely action plan. And we've talked about smart plans several times in this podcast. You can get free downloads of a smart plan outline at our website at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. Hard workers practice stress management. They know how to manage people, distractions, and noise, both internally and externally. Mindfulness is huge right now, and it's an excellent technique for centering yourself, letting go of life's constant worries and struggles, and taking the long view. Hard workers practice change management. This has to do with noticing and responding to trends and being flexible and adaptable in light of change, which is constant, keeping track that the volume and rate of change at home at work so that it doesn't overwhelm you. Hard workers practice technology management, keeping up with tech so you don't have to become obsolete. You must rule tech as a tool or it will rule you and keep you out of date. And this is something I, as I was putting together this podcast, I just kind of like laughed about because I'm learning all sorts of new tech stuff myself. And it is a constant job, especially for those who aren't maybe so technically (laughs) oriented to begin with. Okay, hard workers also practice leisure management. That's the import, taking seriously the importance of rest and relaxation. Too much of the same activity, be that work or leisure, leads to monopoly. Hard workers know when to take a break, recharge, and get energized. I want to share with you another story um, about somebody that maybe you're not so familiar with. Ralph Braun was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy as a young boy. Following this life-altering news... Ralph quickly lost his ability to walk. Doctors never thought he'd be able to function independently, but Ralph decided otherwise. At a young age, he went to work designing and engineering the first battery-powered scooter in the world. He didn't stop there. Besides his physical limitations in youth, he went on to to design and engineer the world's first wheelchair lift. His determination and hard work, his ability to produce and be efficient in that production, led to the launch of Braun Ability, a leading manufacturer of mobility equipment worldwide. He's become known as such a pioneer in the mobility space that some people call him the father of mobility movement. For Ralph to have achieved such overwhelming success despite such tough failures is a credit to him and his ability to work hard. Now, what does work ethic and working hard include? Well, there's certain key hallmarks that you know if you have a hard worker, they're probably going to display the next couple of things. Number one, professionalism. This has to do with how you dress and present yourself in the business world to the way you treat others, both at home and in public. Professionalism is a super broad category, but it basically encompasses all the other elements of a strong work ethic. Respectfulness. You display grace under pressure. No matter how tight the deadline or heated the tempers, you remain poised and diplomatic. Whether you're serving a customer, meeting a client, or having a discussion with your kids and family, you do your best to respect everyone's opinions, especially under trying circumstances. This shows that you value the individual's worth as well as their professional contributions. You're dependable. You can be relied on to keep your promises. You're on time. You're prepared for meetings. You deliver work on schedule and on budget. 
Your reputation for reliability precedes you and people know that you're dependable and can be counted on. You're dedicated. You don't stop until the job is done and the job is done right. Good enough isn't really good enough for you. You aim for outstanding in everything you do. You put in extra hours to get things done. You're devoted to excellence. Your passion shows. You're determined. You don't let obstacles stop you and enthusiastically embrace challenges like a mountain climber who's climbing a high summit. You know your job as an entrepreneur or a business person or even in your family and with your your friends takes dedication and determination as well as innovative answers. So you have resiliency, you push ahead, and you work through struggles and issues. You're accountable. You take personal responsibility for your actions and outcomes and situations, and you avoid making excuses when things don't go as planned. You admit your mistakes. You don't take failure as an end of anything, and you keep going. Don't blame others. You're humble. You acknowledge everyone's contributions, and you share credit for accomplishments. You show gratitude for hard work and appreciation for people's loyalty. You have integrity. You're open to learning from others. You teach people through your words, actions, and examples. You take your work seriously, strive to maintain a sense of humor, and you enjoy life. Now, that's just seven quick things on what work ethic entails. I'm going to quickly talk about what would demonstrate a lack of work ethic. Tardiness, not getting to where you need to be in a timely manner. Failure to notify of an absence, just not showing up with no explanation or concern for those you've left hanging. Insubordination, not being willing to submit to those in authority over you, being disrespectful, dishonoring to elders and others, rude or abusive language. This is so common nowadays. I think people people think that if they punctuate with a swear word in public, you see this on social media all the time, that they're being really hip or cool. But really, it is just it just shows such a lack of ability to think of a more creative word that would mean something and not offend. Um, failure to follow through with people or departments or a company or even a culture. Every group has a culture and those with a poor work ethic aren't concerned with influencing that culture in a positive way. In fact, they're very willing to detract from it and take away from it. And then dishonesty, this can include obvious lying and less obvious suppression of facts and information. And lastly, theft. And this can include property theft, fraud, the theft of a reputation through gossip or slander, little to no concern for the sovereignty of others. Okay, so we've talked about what hard work is. We've talked about what hard work isn't. Remember, hard work is about productivity, but also efficiency. So limit activities that get you nowhere. Everyone has 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, and 8,760 hours in a year. Now, how do we instill work ethic in our kids? From a recent survey of parents, 82% said that doing chores was a normal household experience for them growing up. However, only 28% of those same parents said they asked their kids to do chores. Many believe their kids are just too stressed to add chores to their housework. Many people think that trying to make their kids do chores leads to an unpleasant argument. And many can assume that they're bad parents if their kids have to work, like they haven't provided enough for their kids. A lot of parents say it's just easier to do the tasks around the house themselves, but a study released from the University of Mississippi collected data drawn from over 25 years beginning in 1967 and discovered the obvious. Dr. Marty Rossman said, Chores instilled in children the importance of contributing to their families and gave them a sense of empathy as adults. Those who done chores as young children were more likely to be well-adjusted, to have better relationships with friends and family, 
and to be more successful in their careers. What adult wouldn't want this for the next generation? What, who of us wouldn't want that for our kids? Dr. Rossman suggests that asking children to help with household chores starting at three or four years of age is actually instrumental in predicting your child's success in their mid-20s. So how do we instill work ethic in our kids? Well, for one, create opportunities for your kids to work young and often. Start with small chores for little ones and move up to more demanding responsibilities. They'll learn discipline, how to focus, how to manage their resources, how to ignore the critics, as well as how to not quit. Former MLB player of White Sox and Blue Jays, Samuel Ewing, put it this way, Hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. Okay, secondly, teach your kids to get up and get done what needs doing, no matter what it is. Don't hire out all the tough jobs. Hard work always accomplishes something. Your kids will learn something, build something, or change something, but they'll learn to understand that hard work yields results. Abe Lincoln put it this way, things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. <laughs> Treat your kids' studies as work ethic training ground. You hear this all the time in the homeschooling community. We had to put school aside to work on their character. Look, doing studies does build character if it's approached correctly. School is your kid's job. It's an excellent environment for developing a work ethic that will serve well later in life. Hard work brings new opportunities. And in my opinion, academics shouldn't always be catering to what the kid wants to do, although we, we do do that every single year. I ask my kids, what do you want to learn? And we try to really accommodate that. But we also build in grit goals. Um, I'll be talking more about Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. I highly recommend it for everybody. And really trying to instill in your kids a sense of work ethic and doing things that they might not want to do and not quitting when the going gets tough. Thomas Jefferson said, I'm a great believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more of it I have. Hard work opens doors. The lazy complain about lack of luck, but hard workers just make their own luck. And if you teach your kids how to study well and learn efficiently, they'll make amazing opportunities for themselves. Okay, number four, how to teach work ethic. Let your kids suffer the consequences of failing to work hard. The earlier you, you do this, the less painful and more productive it will be. Um, little kids make little mistakes. Bigger kids make bigger mistakes. Failure is the opportunity to learn, grow, and begin again. So if they fail or if they, if they mess up big time, it's not an end point unless you define it as such. It's just a place for them to, to grow and jump off from. What comes easy won't last. What lasts often doesn't come easy. Model a consistent work ethic in your own life. Give your kids the opportunity to see you working hard in a variety of capacities. Most of us think of hard work as like vocational, but there are so many ways that we all have to work hard in life. Intellectually, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We often think of hard work just as one-dimensional, but the heroes of the faith, they put time, attention, energy, and dedication into their faith. So have those who have succeeded at their jobs, in their marriages, and relationships, as well as socially. Anybody who's been married for more than two weeks or two months or two years knows that a good marriage isn't just a cakewalk. You have to put hard work and time and effort and efficiency into it. There are so many different areas of our lives that require hard work. Make sure you, your kids see you working in a variety of ways. And if you have an intergenerational family with grandparents and aunts and uncles that can contribute to that, so much the better. 
Lastly, treat having a work ethic as an element of character. Talk about what a work ethic is. Talk about the importance of one. Talk about what it gets you. Hard work blesses others. It doesn't just get us something. It gets the world something. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're often willing to work hard to please and satisfy ourselves. But actually, the benefits of hard work overflow, and out of that overflow, others benefit. Our families, our communities, the society, and our wider culture. The harder we work, the more opportunities we have to share with the others in the world. Hard work betrays no one. I recently questioned our Facebook group, True North Homeschool Tribe, how people in the group instilled work ethic in their kids. And the resounding response was, work. (laughs) Work with your kids, do large projects, have your kids do daily chores, and do volunteer work together. Now, several people said, say no to video games and technology. And while I don't completely agree with zero video gaming in tech, I strongly urge parents to monitor and limit tech time and influences. The younger the kids, the more controls. It just, oh, it just grieves me to see little kids in shopping carts who, um, are sucking their thumb, holding tablets in their hands while they're going through the supermarket instead of taking in all the visual sights and sounds and smells of the supermarket with their moms. We'll be talking about the importance of this later with my husband, Dr. David Neary, and it's specifically in regards to brain development and work ethic. So stay tuned for some more interviews and information as we talk about the soft skill of work ethic. Again, this is Lisa Neary from True North Homeschool Academy, Please download, share this podcast, and thanks, as always, for listening. I'll see you next week.